Chipping away at the block Cause I know that life ain't love And when I go to sleep I dream the best parts of me will come alive But when I see that morning light I know Chris by my side Chipping away, chipping away with me Hello, everybody, and happy Motivational Monday. I am extremely honored and emotional about this next guest that is with us. Her name is Jennifer Broom. She's a travel journalist. She's a TV personality, and she was a meteorologist, still is traveling, but a meteorologist for over two decades, which is insane because when you see a photo of her, I was talking to her about it earlier, her skin is better than mine. So maybe at the end of this episode, she'll give all of us her skincare techniques. Um, But she's also someone that's really close to my heart and my experience as a human being on this earth. Um, To put it in perspective, my relationship with this incredible woman, she is like my second mom who told me when or if I ever get arrested, she would bail me out of jail, take my mom for margaritas, and then tell her I was arrested. So that's kind of the fun, incredible personality of Jennifer Broom that I know. So I'm really excited for you guys to get to know a little bit more about her and her journey today. I'm excited that you went right there talking about when you were (laughs) in college. And I said, okay, if you ever get in trouble for underage drinking, because that sometimes happens when you're in college. And yeah, the plan was then to take your mom out for margaritas and (laughs) I would tell her. I'm just setting the tone right now from the top. Got to set what this episode's about. We have a unique relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to dive right in, though, because I was saying to you earlier, I do feel like your story and your journey is so topical, especially in today's age where people are realizing that this isn't what they want to do forever. They don't want the nine to five, even though yours was more like 3 a.m. to maybe noon or what have you, but like the more steady, this is my contract, this is my salary, this is what I'm doing, but rather letting life take them where it may. And you now travel literally all over the world. I mean, when the borders are open and you are able to go internationally, but even now you're traveling around the United States and you have an incredible website and you do work with all various different kinds of TV shows. I think it's incredible what you've created your life into? You know, I think you have to, first of all, put it out to the universe and throw out whatever, however crazy you may think it is, throw out your idea, what you want, put it out there, write it down and say it over and over. And whatever is meant to be is meant to be, and it will come. You have to have a lot of faith and you have to believe in yourself, first of all, because no one else is going to believe in you if you don't believe in you. So you have to do that. You know, I'm one of those unique people when I was growing up, I watched the show called the today show and katie uh, uh jane Pauley was on it at the time oh my gosh uh, yeah if you happen to watch nowadays cbs sunday morning which is still my favorite tv show I ever oh, yes she is the host um and so she was she was at the time the host of um the today show and i was like well i want to be the next jane Pauley, and, and you know and that was always what I was going to do. I was going to be the next Jane Pauley. I was going to be the next Connie Chung. I was going to be the next Katie Couric. Um, you know, I just was. And when I was young, Connie Chung and Jane Pauley were both prominent women on uh, television news. And I wrote both of them. And um, they both wrote me back. 
And then when I got in, oh my gosh, I must've been like eight. So yeah, I I was very young. But when I got into high school, my dad said, why don't you write them again? Now that you're closer going into college, just ask for some advice of what would you do? What kinds of classes, what kind of routes should I, should I choose? Both of them wrote me back again. And that kind of instilled to me the importance of when someone that's younger asks you questions or asks for help or asks for, can you please connect me with so-and-so? How important it is to follow through and make that connection or to help that person, you know, help that person become the next you because you ain't going to stick around for, for years and years and years, <laughs> and, and especially in television news. So I kind of went that route and I went um, to the University of South Carolina did my journalism and three days out of school, I had a job working for a TV station in Columbia, South Carolina. I was an associate producer reporting on weekends, working three other jobs just to get by and said, if you're not going to hire me full time, I am going to look for a job. Started sending out, uh, well, at that time they were tapes, so we didn't do it digitally like we did now. <laughs> you know? And so I started sending out tapes, and within a couple of weeks, I had a job offer to do uh, for a weather gig in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I said, I am going to take it, but there's one stipulation to the contract. I want to go back to school to learn the science of weather. And so that was part of my contract. So granted, it didn't pay. I'll even tell you, my first job, I made $16,000 a year. Um, and I was on TV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I think a lot of times people think, you know, everything in television is so glitz and glam, you know, the glitz and the glamour. While there is some of that, there's also a lot of the behind the scenes that you don't see. Um, so I did that and went on and continued to earn my second, uh, my second degree. So I have two four year degrees and went from Myrtle Beach to Knoxville, Tennessee, and then San Antonio, where I was there for 10 years and became uh, one of the first female chief meteorologists in the country. And then left from there and came up to Denver, where I live now. Went back to Texas for a real brief stint. I hosted a lifestyle show there and then came back and decided in 2017, I needed to go 100% freelance and really start living each day with joy and really living each moment. And I think a lot of folks are figuring that out now, now that we've had a lot of time to sit and go, okay, what do I like about my life? What do I not like about my life? What do I like about this relationship? Should I keep working at this relationship or is it time to say goodbye? Um, You know, a lot of that's happening right now. And that's some of the stuff that I guess I did I guess it was ahead of the curve. Quarantine, <laughs> <laughs> quarantine. That's awesome. Okay, so I do want to dive in because I'm curious, what made you want to go back to school to learn like the science of weather? What about that drew you to do another four years in a kind of totally different field, it feels like? For one thing, I'm a nerd. And I, she is a nerd. She knows so many facts about everything that it's just kind of nerve wracking. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, and usually it's the most random stuff. Like where do you know that from? Uh, But I, I truly find joy in learning. And I think where there's knowledge, there's power. 
And I don't mean power in the form of, you know, oh, I have so much power over you. I mean, just having that knowledge makes you a more interesting person. It makes you be able to have different conversations. It gives you the power of more understanding of different cultures, different people, different societies, mm -hmm. different places around the world. I think there's tremendous knowledge in that constant learning. And quite frankly, I didn't want to go on TV and just be the weather girl or the weather bunny. I wanted the backing of the science. I wanted to understand. If I was going to get on TV and talk about it, I wanted to understand. I wanted to do my due diligence, do my research, know what I was talking about that was very important to me. So that was a big reason why I decided to go back to school to really focus in and get that second degree for meteorology. Um, and I ended up realizing just how much I loved it. And I was able to blend that childhood dream of being on television with my new skills and new love that I was forming. And that was studying the sky and how weather truly does. It's the one thing, one thing in this world that truly affects every single person. And it's one thing that's constantly changing around the world. Everybody, you know, hey, when you don't have anything else to talk about, talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> or we'll just blame you for saying it's going to rain, but then it doesn't because the yeah. weather changes or, all the time. Or I'll take full credit when the weather's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to have a degree necessarily in the science of weather to be a meteorologist. Um, nowadays, you generally do. Most people that you see on television generally do. That was kind of something that I got to see during my, gosh, I think it was 23, 20, 24 years of full-time uh, weather meteorology on TV. And one of the big changes that I noticed, first of all, was um, more women going back and getting the education to really go toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, with the men and, and to be meteorologists. Um, and then to see the change of people really wanting um, wanting people on television that have some background. And also just the rise of instantaneous news, of the fact that we can take a picture, take a live video and share that around the world that really has changed the way that uh, that weather's done, that television news is done, um, and that instantaneous people want, you know, want somebody that's educated that can look at something and say, well, here's, you know, here's what I'm looking at. Here's why I think it's a tornado. Here's, you know, got the signature hook or something else that you're looking at. There's been many times that um, I, I took it very, very seriously when I was on air as a meteorologist that it was my duty to be there, to be first on and last off. And I, I took it really serious. There were many nights that I didn't leave the station when I was, say in San Antonio, I worked the night shift um, and I would be working until three or four in the morning because of storms moving through, because I wanted, if somebody needed me there and the storm was over their house that I needed to be on the air. Um, and some of that's passion. And that's what you need to find is what is it you love to do? What is it that's gonna make you stay? and stay that long, do the hard work, do the grunt work when nobody else wants to do it, when yeah. you're exhausted. And, um, you know, it's, that's, that's the passion. And then, you know, it's interesting how my love of learning and being that curious George and asking, I'll ask so many questions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I mean, you know, I, I'm always the first one, like, um, are you okay if I ask a whole bunch of questions because I want to learn about you and I want to learn, especially when I'm traveling internationally and sometimes within the United States and I'm in an area where I don't know a whole lot about um, or being introduced more to a culture that I'm not super familiar with. I will ask. And what I've found is that if you just 
say, do you mind if I ask you some questions? Can we have a conversation that more than likely people are going to say yes, because they want to share their experience and they want to share their background. And you just become a better person. You, you really do become a better person. But, you know, my love for weather kind of transpired into my love of the outdoors and now being able to blend everything together and my crazy thing called life, um, you know, into multiple things of travel journalist, travel blogger, doing TV segments, still doing some broadcast news. You know, you just now it's I, I guess I learned when I was in San Antonio and my contract was up and I was told that the station was going in a new direction um, and that I was going to no longer have a job that at that point I kind of said to myself, I am never going to be a one trick pony ever again. And because at that point, all I'd really ever done was weather. I did do some reporting and things, but it was truly just weather. And I really kind of decided I was going to diversify. And I think right now you're hearing the term pivot a lot. Every day. And yeah. And, and it's kind of that. It's kind of like, look at yourself and figure out what are the skills you have? What are the things that you want to learn? Is there some new direction that you want to go in? And if you do you know, you figure it out. It, it's you do your regular job and then you spend several hours in the evenings doing what you love until what you love becomes what you do. Yeah. Oh, that gave me like goosebumps. I do want to ask how meant like how you mentally handled because I know it is kind of similar to my career even where I could book a series regular on a TV show, but they don't like my personality on set or for the sake of the storyline, they need to kill off my character in season two and then I'm out of a job and there's nothing that I can really do to control that. Hopefully I have like a bomb agent who can negotiate for me and so on and so forth. But for TV news, I don't think a lot of people realize just kind of how up in the air it can be you have a contract and then you go to renew your contract and they're like no no thank you that's not what we're doing anymore and there's no lead up to that there's not really any warning and there's nothing that you can do about that and that's across the board no matter I feel what kind of um, area you're in in news no matter what city station so on and so forth that's just kind of the way the industry is set up so how did you mentally handle the fact that at any moment they could go, as they love to say, in a new direction? Generally, you were pretty safe for about a year. <laughs> you know, you could kind of like, okay, I'm good. I got a three-year contract. I'm all right for a year. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because I mean, even with a three-year contract, stations always had an out on the annual renewal date. Yeah. So you never were safe. Um, and the trend has been in the broadcast industry to continually cut staff, cut staff, cut staff, and cut staff. You have to be able nowadays to shoot your own stuff, voice it, edit it, and then set up your own camera and do your own live shot. I mean, that's, it's called MMJ. Um, now it's, it's just called the norm. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's interesting. It's like, uh, I kind of wonder how much of everything that's happening, um, how television news in particular is broadcasting now People are broadcasting from their homes. They're doing it off their phones with just a ring light. Um, interviews are done over Zoom and Skype. This was stuff that, honestly, even a year ago was still kind of like, oh, that's not high quality broadcast news. No, now it's all changed. And, and so you see a lot of that. It doesn't have to look as perfect as it once did. Um, there has been some changes in the broadcast news as far as downsizing. That's been happening, gosh, for a good uh 
eight, almost 10 years now, um, where you're seeing it was the rise of the MMJ, the multimedia journalist. Uh, and that was somebody who would go out, one, one man band, which is how I started, which I find it very ironic that back in the 90s, here I was lugging a much larger camera and was <laughs> having to do all that. And then it kind of went away and then it came back. <laughs> and it's, well, I think yeah. everything from the 90s are coming back. I, I had to move back home for, with my parents for quarantine <laughs> and I started wearing scrunchies. And my mom was like, why are you wearing scrunchies? And I was like, I love scrunchies. They don't give me a headache. They're super cute. My mom was like, I haven't seen those since I was in high school. Are scrunchies back in now? And I was like, yeah, I guess they are. How do you still have scrunchies is what I want to know. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I do want to know about your kind of career, these over two decades before we move on, because you have a beautiful journey throughout your life. But as you said earlier, you were one of the first chief meteorologists. And that's how I like knew you growing up was female meteorologist. Yeah. Jennifer Broom. And so you were one of the first in like Texas female chief country. Oh my God. So what was that like to kind of pioneer that whole thing? Yeah. Um, very scary because, um, you know, even in a newsroom where you would have females that would be on set anchoring reporting and the weather section, um, it was still very male dominated. Um, and, and in a sense there, there are still more men than women, Um, but women have certainly made some changes. And I kind of look at that. I got to be one of those, one of those women that helped to break the glass ceiling for some others, um, that helped to pave the way for people like Ginger Z, who's now on Good Morning America and who's now chief meteorologist for ABC News. Um, yeah, I was before her. So, um, yeah, when I was promoted, uh, there were maybe three female chiefs in the country. It was, yeah, and and I had a lot of pressure. I had a lot of pressure because I had to prove, um, had to, I felt like, work harder um, just to prove in many ways just because I was a female. Um, and and I did. I mean, I just took it in stride and did what I had to do and um, did the job to the best of my ability that, that I could. And, um, you know, it just... I think sometimes many people, it's, it's kind of funny to say, you know, I, I had to weather the storm, literally, um, <laughs> and many times standing outside in things like Hurricane Katrina and where I did some things for um, outlets like NBC National, uh, NBC Nightly News and the Weather Channel, uh, along with still doing it for a local affiliate that I was working for. Um, so, you know, you just... You plug along, and I think I'm one of those people. And it's it's kind of I guess some good advice to go. If somebody tells you you can't do it, or <clears throat> excuse me, or doesn't believe that you can do it, prove them wrong. Prove them wrong, and show them um, that you can. And you by doing something, especially if you are, whether it's because of the color of your skin or because of your gender or whatever it may be, that you are in the minority in your chosen field, fight harder and prove them wrong. The reward will be much sweeter for you. Ugh, you're giving, like, you're, I'm just getting so emotional from everything you're saying right now. <laughs> That's beautiful. I really, really love that. And I know that there is a huge shift right now in the world and in multiple different industries. And I think that a lot of people need to hear that right now. I know I definitely want and needed to hear that right now. So thank you. Um, and then 
you were a meteorologist all over. You moved and did it everywhere. And then you came back and you were the host of a lifestyle show. What you know, that? here's what. Here's what's funny. I swore when I jumped out of a plane in my early 20s and I jumped with the Army Golden Knights. It was a wonderful experience when I was uh, working in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I swore I'd never, ever jump out of a perfectly good airplane ever again. Well, I, I had an opportunity to um, launch a lifestyle show for the NBC affiliate in Houston, great TV market. It's one of the biggest TV markets in the country. It was an opportunity that I needed to take and to not only launch it, but to be, you know, to be host of it. Well, of course, the first thing I find out when I walk into the, my very first day, how do you feel about jumping out of a plane? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Lordy, how mercy, what am I doing? Oh and um, so I did, I jumped out of a perfectly good plane for a second time. So I, I that's when I really decided never say never because <laughs> you might actually do it again. Uh, but it was a unique experience. Um, it, it's especially like developing out a television show um, and creating it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. My goodness, there were many days that we were there 16, even 18 hours. Um, and we did everything from figure out what is the show gonna look like to building a set because we did the set uh, in the Galleria Mall, which is one of the largest malls um, in the country. Uh, a little bit different scenario, but uh, but you know it, it was it was a learning experience for me. It was also a time of tremendous growth mm -hmm. for me. Um, I personally had some things that had happened. My brother had just passed away at 47 right before I moved to Houston, and that sent me into a little bit of a. I mean, do any for anybody. Uh, it was my only sibling, so an emotional tailspin is probably the best way to put it. Um, trying to launch a TV show, do all this stuff professionally, and then handle all of my brother's, uh, my brother's stuff and handling all of that. And, you know, it was right before I moved to Houston and I was dealing with some of my brother's stuff, I made a promise that I would never stay in a job or in a relationship if I wasn't 100% happy. And I found in Houston that I wasn't 100% happy. And after a year, I asked if they would release me of my contract. And this also goes to why you never burn bridges too. And you always do the best to your ability, whether you want to be there or not. You go in, you do your job, and you act professionally and try to do everything to the best of your ability. Because if you do, and that moment comes where, like I did, I needed to go. I needed to go find, I had lost myself in that year. Um, I was giving, giving, giving in so many different directions that I didn't know who I was anymore at all. And I needed to go. And they were gracious enough to let me go after the one year mark, ironically, when Hurricane Harvey was bearing down on Houston. And I had spent so much of my career um, in the middle of things like major hurricanes. And it was really, it was a pivotal point because I was like, here I am driving away. Here comes this massive storm, a historic storm of tremendous proportion. And yet I am in the evacuation traffic and I've always been on the way in. And I knew at that point, I said, I had to do this. This is something that I had to do and a change that I had to make. It was such a dramatic moment. And I think you have to be aware. You have to allow, you know, when I'm on the road a lot, people ask, well, what are some of the lessons you learned from the road? And 
Um, when I left Houston, I set out shortly after on my first solo road trip, and it was 3,000 miles across the American West. By, um, since, by myself. Yeah, I've actually, in two years, I did um, over 30,000 miles across um, America, most of it in the American West and most of it by myself. But mm -hmm. I really... I like, I was like, I realized that I was driving and I was turning off the radio and I was turning off the noise in my head. And my favorite way to put it is savor the silence. Try to, if you can just shut it off for a moment, driving down the road. This is the season in the year of road trips um, where people <laughs> are, are, you know, whether it's a road trip that's an hour away or 15 hours away. Um, just take that time and just listen, listen to the wind, go by the car, really look and notice where, where you are. Don't just gloss over and just drive down the highway at, you know, 80 miles an hour. Really look. Um, I'm notorious for being that person of, if I see something on the side of the road, I'll pull off and look at it. It may take an extra five or 10 minutes, um, and whatever, but it's worth it because, you never know, you may not be back there again, or you may find something that you never expected to see and may find something that takes you, well, that's really cool. So let me look up this and check out this, check out that. Again, my curious George personality of always wanting to learn something and, and really spend that time. Um, <laughs> and I'm also a huge history buff. So I do love learning about, um, in particular, uh, American history, even going back to Native American ancient history. I love learning about the ancient people that were here before we were. I think it's really apropos what you said of that promise to yourself. And you had gone through such a life-changing experience, losing a, such a close family member, and then making that decision to never stay with something if you're not a hundred percent into it. And I think that's harder for some people who haven't hit that point in their life to make those kind of decisions or to be comfortable enough to stand up and say no, like not accepting a hundred percent. Cause I think a lot of our society is like, Oh, if it's like 80%, okay, you should be fairly happy. Like make it work. Not everything's perfect. So on and so forth. And that's not a like great way to live your life. I don't feel like I would want to live life at a hundred percent. You literally have one life. So why would yeah. you live it at 80%? Do you have any kind of like advice or anything that was really pivotal that stuck with you to allow yourself to agree with your gut instinct of, I don't accept this anymore? I think first of all, always listen to your gut instinct, listen to your intuition. It knows better than anything else. Listen to that inner voice that is talking to you. Listen to it. It's there for a reason. There's, you take that advice, take whatever that feeling is and follow it. Um, secondly, I would say, first of all, I will say it's very hard to walk away and completely change your life. Um, I took a tremendous leap of faith going from a great job. You know, people are like, you're crazy. You're leaving, you know, a TV show, but behind the scenes, when I was balled up, you know, in a chair bawling and like to that point of where, you know, when you get so anxious and so stressed out that it's like everything's coming up and it's like this big giant, not even a lump. It's like you were drowning. The water is coming up higher and higher and you're trying to reach your hand up and there's nobody there to help you. Yeah. Um, you know, when that feeling is that tremendous, that's when I say you need to stop for a minute. You really need to sit back 
and decide what it is that you need to change in your life because you need to change something. Um, you know, I know that's a lot, a e- lot more easier said than, than done, especially if you have kids, that's a lot harder to do. You've got yeah. other people to take care of. I don't have kids. So I just had to worry about me. Um, you know, I had to make some changes also for, to make sure I could take care of at the time, my elderly mother. Um, you know, so I think, Putting that family first is always going to be um, something you'll never regret. Um, that's just, you just won't. Always put the family first, even if it means leaving leaving a job. Put the family first. Everything else will work out as it's supposed to work out. Um, you know, I mean, I think everybody's uh, case and everybody's journey is so different. Um, but if I learned anything, it was follow what that little voice inside your head is saying to you because your intuition is never going to steer you wrong. It's just not, it's always going to be, that's your, almost like your moral compass um, and, and your, your North star of where you should be going for you. It's not where everybody else should be going. It's where you should be going on. What is your North star, whatever that may be. Um, and in that moment is when you will, generally find your greatest change in yourself, your greatest growth in yourself. Um, You cannot change without some type of difficult turmoil time. You've got to go through, you've got to go through it. My father used to tell me, he used to say, um, and it's a, it's an old quote that um, uh, it's always darkest before dawn, before dawn, which is true, by the way, (laughs) meteorologist. But it's just, I mean, it's kind of to that effect of you've got to go through the darkness to see the light and and to see the joy. And, um, you know, it's follow follow where where your gut's telling you to go. Don't be afraid to try something just because somebody says you can't do it. You know what? Screw them. Go try it anyway. Go (laughs) be you, you know. (laughs) Hey, you never know if you're going to succeed if you don't take the leap. You may succeed or you may fail, but the way to success, you have to go through at least one failure to get there. Anybody that's highly successful will tell you how many times they failed at this. How many no's? You know, when you're going through and you get no, 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 no. All it takes is that one yes that could potentially change everything for you. You have to be ready when that one yes comes along. You know, it's um, it's being prepared for when opportunity presents itself, it's yeah. doing all the hard work and doing the homework and be ready for it. I think that's something that I've noticed a lot about my generation and especially my friends um, where I'm going through a really challenging time in my life currently. And my therapist, God bless Tajiana, she and I are talking and she's like, you had this in you the whole time, these feelings, these emotions, these red flags, if you will. She was like, why didn't you listen? And I think a lot of my generation or females in general have a really hard time with the relationship of self and trust and just listening to those alarms. Um, A past, uh, I guess, guest for season two, she wrote a self-help book called uh, Girls Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup. Um, incredible, incredible self-help book that hit me at a time I really needed it. And she calls them uh, girl alarm bells going off when you're in situations that you shouldn't be in, when you're around people that aren't good for you, you're doing something that you know you shouldn't. And 
I think it's really beautiful, your advice. And I think it will be a process for myself and also the listeners, especially um, women my age or younger to take that because you've had such an incredible journey with yourself and working on you. How do you suggest we do the same? Well, um, <laughs> you know, I've had some crazy ex-boyfriends. Uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Well, many a dream brunch about those men. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, it's tough. It's tough when you realize, especially, say, in a, in a field where, you are a public figure and you are on television or you're in a TV show or a movie or any, or you're a musician or any kind of thing that is in um, say the entertainment or informational world. Um, because th you quickly find there are some people, especially for, for women, there are guys that just want to date you because you're the girl on TV. Um, and that's really hard to deal with. And it's really a whole realm of, for me, it was, and it's still this way. Um, you know, any guy that, that I date, they don't show up all over my social media. They don't. Um, that's my life. They didn't ask for that kind of life, nor am I going to subject anybody. Now they might be there while I'm taking the picture or doing whatever. Right. Right. But it's not my place to expose their lives because I mean, look, it's their life. And I actually, there were a couple of kind of rules along the way that I always followed. And first was, uh, when I was very young, I said to myself, I'm never going to date anybody um, uh, that I work with in television. And that stems from right after the bat, I told you I jumped with the Army Gold Knights. Well, I was dating one of the guys. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Jump ended great. The relationship ended way bad. So <laughs> it kind of um, it kind of just kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, by the way, by the way, if you saw, um, oh shoot, um, the tiger thing, um, tiger king, tiger king. Yeah. Um, I, I laugh because at Myrtle beach, um, uh, doc was one of my first interviews who is, uh, yeah. So oh, I'm sitting there watching this, tiger we talking king. about it in five minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was there. It was so weird and freaky back then. And it's so weird. That has nothing to do with the ex-boyfriends, but that kind of, you know, sometimes you just take that. Like, like early on, I kind of made that, made that decision of not date anyone in my industry. And I actually upheld to that. I just, I also felt very strongly about having friends outside of my industry. It's very easy in television, especially, and I know this is also in the theater world and the acting world. And it's very easy to only have friends um, and to only really socialize with friends that are doing the same thing as you. Um, I made a tremendous effort to put myself out there in other places. I happened to join an organization called Junior League that I used in different cities and yep. was able to connect with women um, uh, you know, in multiple cities. And it became a really good thing for me because it helped me make friends. So I would strongly say find some other things, other organizations or ways that you can make friends outside of your industry because you don't want to, you know, especially I know I didn't want to just talk about what was going on in the newsroom, you know, every day when I came home, I, I like to talk about what's going on in other people's lives. I think it makes your world more rounded and it makes it more balanced. If you have some people that are outside of your industry um, and you know, some of my closest friends, the majority of my closest friends 
are not television news people. Um, <laughs> they're not. Um, and, and, and that just happens. But I, I think that's, you know, that's certainly some advice. And when you date the biggest doozy of a boyfriend, um, and it could also go the other way for the guys who date the big doozy of a girlfriend, because it's not always just the guy, um, it, that I think you really have to sit back and look and take a dating break and say, okay, what was it that I saw when you see the pattern happening, or at least it did for me, that I dated one person and then suddenly down the road I was realizing red flags were going off in this person because it was very similar to that person. And, and I think you have to listen. It's that whole thing of listening to your intuition and really in a relationship area, um, sometimes you need to take the break and be okay with yourself. Be okay with going and sitting at a restaurant eating by yourself. You've I never done doing that. Oh, like example, I love it too. No one bothers me. I have a nice glass of wine and I can just do my thing. I love it. And also interacting because I always feel like interacting with the staff. I feel like whenever I go somewhere, especially traveling a lot, I mean, I obviously do end up um, dining a lot by myself, but it's a chance to find out um, and actually have a real conversation with whoever my server is or whoever the sommelier is or you know, whoever the manager is that comes over because they'll come and check on you. They do. They check on you more when you're sitting by yourself. And yeah, they're worried about you. They're like, what, what is this? Are you okay? Do we need to help you? <laughs> Do you need anything? Um, and I've had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversations with, with people all over the world. Um, and I, I just think taking that time when you find yourself getting into a personal relationship kind of rut to get yourself out, take some time away and take a break. <laughs> it's okay. You know, you don't have to go right back to Tinder and swipe again. You can move on. So, and the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship with yourself. And that's the one that continues right. forever. So, um, I love that advice. And I also <laughs> just makes you want to go eat at a restaurant right now, like by myself. <laughs> yeah, it makes me want to go eat at a restaurant and drown my sorrows in like a big fat glass of wine, remembering all I just this. Want to know no, people are worried about me and let's like, check on me. That's what I want right now. <laughs> I, I also want to say that I have some great ex-boyfriends that I am still friends with. <laughs> but there there are a few where I'm like, oh God, what was I thinking? And I think everybody you know, <laughs> I actually just recently saw one of them out of the blue. Um, and I actually think that you know, I text your mom, by the way, <laughs> I guess who I just saw. Um, but it, you know, there, there are lessons learned and there's reasons, there's reasons for why people come into your life and there's reasons why people exit. And I think when you really take that time to um, spend some time by yourself, spend some time really deciding what's best for you, not necessarily overanalyzing the relationship. That's not what I'm talking about. Helping to give yourself that closure for that relationship when it's over. Um, when you sit back, you realize that person needed to come in, um, in whatever season of life that person was supposed to come in, but they were also supposed to exit, that they weren't necessarily supposed to be there. And when you do find that person, which I'm still looking for, that's supposed to be there for all seasons. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so not only when you're looking at her photo for her skincare and how incredible she looks, She's also available, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we, are, we are taking DMs. You can direct message her immediately. So I'm excited. Yeah, must, must be a guy who um, can put up with a fiercely independent woman who loves to travel, who loves great food. 
who loves the who loves the outdoors. <laughs> yeah, there and by the way, they also have to pass oh about eight different people. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, there is a vetting process for the life. You will not only be Googled, you will be fully background checked and vetted. At this these women have. Let me just tell you, yeah. I have never seen men so thoroughly background. Except my dad. <laughs> They tried to Google him and they only had his last name, I think, or his middle name. He oh, no. We right? didn't know. We figured, oh, we tracked. <laughs> the more you know. You Remember, I'm a journalist at heart. <laughs> Once a journalist, always a journalist. <laughs> you still are a journalist. So now yeah, you would be a travel journalist and blogger and also just like all around badass. Every time I open your Instagram, you're in a new place and I'm extremely jealous. So what is that like career and life change like? So now you are freelancing, you are self-accountable, which I know is super hard for everybody to be held accountable because if you can push it off to tomorrow, I definitely would watch another episode of how to get away with murder instead of writing a blog post. So, Oh man, I used to love that show. Oh my God. <laughs> she is incredible. Davis is like my heart and soul. I'm obsessed with her. That show is too good, but how is that? How do you <laughs> handle that? Okay. Well, there are those moments like last night where I put everything aside and just watch, uh, I binged watched, um, the dear John, the Betty Brockman. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, so it's finding balance, but I think I quickly, you know, I had people tell me after when I first started traveling back in 2017, started traveling full time, right. um, uh, 2017, within a couple of months, I had people shooting me messages of, you look younger. You look, <laughs> you know, I'm you look, look, I look really good. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, wait, did I look like crap for a long time? Or, and I don't think people meant it that way, but I think that's, um, it was a tremendous weight was off of my shoulders. Um, and, and just, I gave myself the permission to go be happy and to go on a journey, um, that has since take, taken me all around the world. I've now, Gosh, I'm up to 37 countries and um, I have visited all 50 states. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and it just, just <laughs> yeah. um, I hit my 50th state last year. So, um, what was your favorite? What was the last Alaska. one? Alaska. Okay. That's the last one. So, um, but, you know, but I'm also now in a quest to go to all 420 national parks. I want to go to every country in the Americas. I have three countries left in Central America, was supposed to be in Panama in March, and we all know how that went, Um, (laughs) you know, and, but I think it's also, it's given me a chance to try some things that I don't think I would have ever attempted before. Um, I recently, I have a tremendous fear of heights. I recently did a um, via ferrata with one of my oldest childhood friends from South Carolina, and the only reason I did it, because she's one of the few people on the planet that I would, they're, they're rock climbers. And she's one of the few people I would say, okay, I'm going to go do this. Um, but, you know, but it's also, it's not as easy as people think it is. You know, they, they just see um, the beauty side of places that are stunning. They're, it's the artwork in the sky that's created at sunrises and sunsets. Um, Mother nature and the beauty of simple things such as a hummingbird, um, you know, just 
flapping its wings a hundred miles an hour in, um, you know, in, in lavender, you know, it's just simple things that, that mean a lot and taking that moment to go, okay, I'm going to just sit for a second and look at whatever spot that I'm in. For example, I was recently in Grand Lake, Colorado, and I am in a kayak on what is the deepest and largest natural lake in Colorado. And I'm looking at Rocky Mountain National Park, a place that I've been so many times. And it was an entirely different view. And just that moment of, I am so grateful to be here. I am so grateful. And I think every day I get up and, and I know you hear people say that they, you know, they're grateful for this. They count their blessings. They do that. But I truly do um, because I've had to go through so much to get there. Um, you know, and I have gone through a lot of sadness and a lot of hard times. I think that people don't always necessarily think that people, when you see them on TV, whether it's the local newscaster or, you know, the A-list movie star, they're all real people. They are all going through the same things. Um, and you never know what somebody, just because they're able to put on uh, a bright face for however, you know, 23 minutes or whatever, um, to get through it, there's there's sometimes tremendous tremendous sadness that's going on. Um, and you know, it's just now in this place, in this crazy world, people say, "How do you do it?" I, I literally, before we went into um, went into the shutdown from the uh, from COVID nineteen, I was traveling nonstop. If I was home and slept in my bed for three nights, I would start getting antsy. I was like, "I gotta go." <laughs> I, I, I gotta go. Um, well, no, that also, that, yeah, it also means that I'm always constantly perpetually behind on everything. Um, yeah. And and that's okay. Uh, you know, there's always 50 more blogs that I need to write and, you know, more videos to edit and more things to write for. And, um, and, you know, and then of course, when, you know, you have, I also write for AAA, I write for AAA National, I write for AAA um, Go and AAA Traveler, which is for, out of AAA Carolinas, and I write for AAA Colorado. And so when those gigs come along, you know, you have to prioritize and in figuring out, I think a lot of people now have figured out, oh my gosh, I have to work from home. And I don't know how people are doing it. And also then having to teach their kids from home and yeah. insane. insane. Um, but you figure out the prior, you know, you really, I am um, a person who is notorious for writing list. And sometimes I will write things that I got, I did just so I can cross it off again. <laughs> sometimes I'll write, got out of bed. And I'm like, nailed it. Did that one. <laughs> okay, that bad, but. Quarantine <laughs> has gotten rough, Broom. I need the little things in life right now. Well, you know, like first on my list are always, you know, devotional. And right now you're going to laugh. It's Duolingo. Um, oh, I, the Spanish app that you're learning how to speak Spanish fluently. Yeah. Um, I know some Spanish and, um, but I was in Chile in January and I was sitting at the cathedral. It was a Tuesday afternoon and they said something and I just, I didn't pay attention. So I don't know. I, I you know, I may, maybe could have understood it, but I wasn't really paying attention. I was enjoying the cathedral. And then all of a sudden I started noticing around me, people were disappearing. People were, were leaving. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess. And I was sitting up front. So I started walking down the side and I noticed this guy, very polite, just kind of following me along, kind of making sure that I didn't turn back around. And I was the last person out of the cathedral and they closed and locked the door. And I was like, wait a minute, why did they close the cathedral on a Tuesday? 
Um, that's kind of odd. You know, it was like, I don't know, two, two 30 in the afternoon. So yeah. it was, it was a little strange. And at that time I was in Santiago, which had been having some, um, protest. Uh, and so I was very aware of that going on. And, um, so there was that incident. And then I had a driver, um, near the end of the trip. Um, and he didn't speak any English. And so the two of us trying to communicate was hilarious. We had a great time. Uh, but I just, I was like, my Spanish was way better than any English he knew. <laughs> so, um, but I came home and I said, you know, I'm never going to not know what's said in a cathedral when it's closing. And I want to be able to communicate more um, in uh, Spanish speaking countries. And so I have, I think I've, I'm like, almost 200 days in a row now, you know, Good. congratulations. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, like, look, now it may literally be two lessons and I'm only on for five or 10 minutes a day, if that's what I have time to do. But it's, yeah. it's what I think that, you know, this time that you can use for when you are home a little bit more is really prioritizing. What are the things that are important to you? They may not be important to anyone else. Cause believe me, me learning Spanish is not important to anybody else, but me. Um, <laughs> And potentially the person that went out traveling and I'm trying to have a conversation, um, you know, but it's, um, I think you have to, like, that's really changing some things. I think this time has been, I mean, I know for me, uh, when everything shut down, the first two weeks were really difficult. And I think I went into like a little bit of a depression of, well, all I can do is watch the news because I'm a complete news junkie because I was in news for so long. And, you know, and it's, it's like, what am I supposed to do? I can't tell people to go travel and go do this and go do that. And, you know, then I hit this huge writer's block and then I'm like, because I had said, oh, it's perfect time to write a book and, and you know, I'm grandiose plan. I think we all did at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, I'm writing a movie about my entire life. And I was so interesting. And then I, a couple of weeks later, my mom was like, what's happening with that movie you wanted to write? I'm like, oh yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, that's not happening anymore. I'm still mulling it over. It's yeah, I'm creating it right now. So, yeah, but I think when you are in a creative field, that's part of it. You have to really, um, <laughs> take note when those moments come and you can't when there there is a true creative block or writer's block you have to really say okay i'm going to acknowledge this and it's just not happening at this moment so instead i found myself on my peloton because that's what i had and that's what i could do and i started working out like a fiend i mean it was crazy I, there there's some days where i'm working out for two hours um yeah but okay but I should also preference that I was supposed to trek to Everest Base Camp in April, yeah. and I was gonna go. I was gonna go completely unprepared, um, yeah. and and now I have a year for it, so to train for it because I'm hoping that I'm going next April. Yes. So you have an incredible website that I want people to be able to access and to know about. So Swept Away Today is one way that people can find you. But I know that people are kind of jonesing for traveling. People are jonesing to know where they should go, what where they should stay, what they should do. She goes down, I swear, even to the food that she's eating that makes my stomach growl. Like you had some crab cakes with scallops on top the other day that I was just like, mm. it looked so good so she is one of like the best travel instagrams that i follow because it's also super self-inflecting um all your posts i get a lot of inspiration from of just your reaction to the areas that you're in but also where you should visit where you should say so on and so forth so where can our listeners find you where can they get all this information easiest is the website and it's swept away today.com 
And from there, then you can find my Instagram, my YouTube, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, and that is one thing that, that I would say um, for folks that are only focusing on one social media outlet, um, diversify yourself really diversify yourself. You know, there's like, for example, Twitter for me is where I still do a lot of my weather and news things that are happening right now. That's um, what I use that for. Um, you know, I use my Instagram for a lot of the travels, but what's on my Twitter and, and Instagram is not always what shows up on my Facebook page. Um, so, you know, and it's not about when I say diversify across your social media, it's not just post the same picture in every place. Um, no, don't do that. You need to really decide, okay, I'm going to post this on, on Instagram and have a reason for it. Have a reason for every post. Um, you know, don't just post something just to post. <laughs> um, you, you do not have to post every single day. You do need to be consistent. Um, but I would strongly, I think that's for me has been one of the things that I really started noticing, um, you know, People shoot up and get high numbers on on one uh, one social media, whereas I'm somebody who diversifies and really goes across and has it has built a following across multiple. And that's I think that's important. I think it's you know you have different followers on different platforms. I think a bunch of old TikTok users once it's taken away are going to listen to this episode and be like, <laughs> I wish I had this advice before TikTok got taken away. I will say uh, that is one thing that COVID brought into my life is TikTok. Now I don't do any of the video. I just sit there and I realize if I start watching TikTok, I'm going down the rabbit hole for at least 30 minutes and it's probably an hour. And yeah. then I'm like, what have I been doing? What have I been doing for 30 minutes or an hour? It's like Pinterest, but for everybody. It's uh, bad. <laughs> you know, but I love Pinterest though too, especially when you're looking for very specific things. If you're looking for design ideas, looking for travel ideas, you're looking for, oh my goodness, um, COVID helped me start cooking, which was kind of amazing. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so, you know, cooking ideas. So I, I think there's different things for different platforms, but yeah, I mean, TikTok's one of those of like, y'all got way too much time on your hands with some of these videos. Yeah. I mean, I just, and then I sit there and I watch, I'm like, I just watched that stupid thing. <laughs> Multiple times because it's on a loop. And so you don't realize how many times you've watched it. I'm so sick of seeing people shuffle. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that the podcast is called Chipping Away. And um, just the history behind all of that is the fact that I, like you said, had a bunch of sadness. And I was putting on a happy face to everyone but my poor parents. And I would call them sobbing like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just graduated and my degree is in acting and psychology. What, what did you, why did you let me do this? And I was just freaking out, like having full-blown panic attacks, mental breakdowns literally every day. And my dad, bless his heart, was just like, keep your hammer on the rock and keep chipping away, like just little by little. And eventually you're going to get there. And I just became, that was my metaphor. That was my drive. And I then became super interested, my psychology degree coming in about how that affected other people and why other people kept chipping away through their sadness, through the hard times, through the downs of our industries, and even through COVID right now. And so you are the perfect example of someone who constantly aims and does live in their joy. But what is that word or phrase or feeling that keeps you chipping away every day? Finding my joy. It's, it's as simple as that. It's, and I think 
right now in the unique times that we are in, I think it is a time for us to be very re reflective and figure out what are the important things in life, first of all, and who are the important people um, in our lives? And you go from there. Um, there are some people who are very driven to do to do things. Um, I happen to be one of those one of those people um, that I will keep going and I will continue to reinvent myself. And um, and that's what I think if you are stuck in a rut and stuck in a situation where you're not happy. Okay, so maybe you can't do what I did and just chuck it all and say, I'm going on a road trip. And, um, you know, and at that time, my mom was still alive when I did that. And I did it with her full blessing of go and go and see, go and see, because she knew, I mean, it's, I was searching for something. Um, I really, truly was. And I think all of us are searching, searching for something. And that's searching for what makes each of us happy. And when you're happy, you can then share that happiness with others. Um, and when you're sad, you should also share that, sh share that sadness with others. Don't carry the burden of sadness by yourself. Um, you know, it, it, you just, because that can be incredibly detrimental. And I think others can give you perspective on your sadness um, that you may not necessarily see when they are a little bit farther outside of, um, outside of the box, they sometimes can offer, offer the advice. Um, you know, it's always trust your gut and keep moving forward. And it's like just when you're climbing a mountain, the only way to get to the summit is one step at a time. And it doesn't mean that every step is going to be forward. <laughs> there are times where you might slide down a little bit or might have to traverse you know, on level ground and, and then go up or go up and then go back down to get to the, get to the summit, whatever it may be. But the only way to get there is one foot at a time. And I kind of take each day like that. And so when I am in those situations where, cause believe me, like I said, I'm always backlogged on things and it can be incredibly overwhelming. And all you can do is one thing. And it's why I like to write the list because at least I can mark off whatever the small things are. It may not be the biggest task of the day. And it may be that I have a list that usually is a page long, um, but at least some of those, that feeling of accomplishment, that's where it starts of getting that feeling of accomplishment. Um, and then, you know, it, and it, especially in the creative fields, it's always, always about putting yourself out there. Don't let someone's no be your end all be all no, because it's not. It's not. Someone's no, it's going to be someone else's yes. And wait for that yes and be ready. Be ready for it when that opportunity is there for you to take the bull by the horns and charge forward and be ready. I mean, it's, it's do the hard work and do the hard work in the quiet times when nobody else is around you and nobody else is, is listening, whether that means that you have to get up an extra 30 minutes or an hour before everybody else in the house to focus in on you to take that time, if you can meditate, I'm not great at that. It's not going to surprise anybody. <laughs> I'm really good sitting out in nature and going, oh, this is awesome. I'm not really good sitting there in a chair in my condo trying to meditate. That work. No, um, but I can, I can actively meditate while I'm walking. So for me, it's like, okay, I'll take that. I'll take those skills. I just might need to physically be moving and not I can do all the breathing exercises and all that. Um, I think you know, and, and don't be afraid to do what I'm doing, modify or adjust do what works for you. Um, and I would strongly suggest use your contacts. Use as you're moving forward and trying to you know, advance your career. Don't be afraid to say, hey, that person that you know, that's, you know, 
whatever, say, you know, producer on a major movie or producer at CNN or producer at Fox News or producer at, um, you know, where the Today Show or Good Morning America, whatever. And so would you introduce me to that person? Now, if you're also that person that gets asked, I strongly say follow through, follow through, because there's a lot of times I've asked people to help me and they never helped. But yet they were the first ones, hey, who's that contact that you have at that hotel in Aspen? Or can you help me get a lift ticket for a ski resort? No, when when somebody asks you to just make an introduction, do it, do it. Very honest and say, hey, actually, they're going through X, Y, and Z, check back in in a couple months. Or actually, I don't think that this is a good time. Maybe you do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll introduce you. Be yep. very because I've definitely talked to people where I was like, oh my gosh, you and I are friends with so-and-so. They have mentioned that you also know so-and-so. I would love to meet them because I just finished this play that they did. And I think we like would really hit it off. And they said, oh my God, yeah, like totally. I'll totally introduce you. Never followed up. See them at like parties later on. They're like, oh yeah, actually they just weren't in a good place to be talking to new people about career and stuff. And I'm like, well, if you had told me that, that would have been fine. And I wouldn't have been hounding you for months and months and months. And then I feel like the stupid bad guy. So it's definitely a double-edged sword for that. Just be honest and open about availability and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and relish in someone else's successes, you know, be happy for someone else when they succeed, especially if you had a hand in whatever that may be. I mean, I still, you know, I have um, a friend who he was an intern when I was in San Antonio and he's now a chief meteorologist at a small station in Texas. And I'm so proud of him. And he, you know, he's so grateful for all the experience and hours, extra hours that I took working with him. And I was like, you know, always offer somebody that help in whatever field you're in. So when you get to be my age of, well, I just turned 48, so I'm getting old. Um, But, you know, when you have experience, when you built that experience in your field, share that experience with others. There is tremendous joy in watching somebody else succeed and continue on so that your industry can thrive. Um, And there's tremendous joy in that. And again, the flip side is when somebody asks you for, for that help, follow through and make the connection. It does not take that long to shoot an email in between. And if nothing happens, you know, then it, then it happens. But, but I think you also never forget when somebody, when you ask somebody for help and they don't follow through, you don't forget that. So, you know, and then when they come back to you and want something, that's when you go, Hey, it's a whole thing. I'd be honest, you know, you know, so, (laughs) and I mean, it does follow through of always treat everyone with respect to, um, whether that be somebody behind the scenes, um, you know, in, for example, in a television newsroom or on a movie set or a TV show set, always treat every single person with respect. Um, and when you are working with, for example, I work with a lot of PR professionals um, and, you know, it's always be honest and <laughs> under ask overperform. It I, is, I need to write that. Real. <laughs> yeah. I need to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's- I wanted to talk to you about before I let you go is one of the beautiful things about the podcast and this platform and that we saw from season one is that our listeners reach out and say, hey, I took this away from this episode and it really helped me today. Or I was really grappling with this and they said this thing and it really clarified that this change that I was dealing with. And like we talked about with COVID and everything happening, people are making major changes. One of my best friends has been unhappy in New York since like the day she got there. And she's been there for almost seven years. And finally in COVID, she was like, 
why the hell am I unhappy? And she packed up her apartment. She left. I'm un, I'm unhappy about that, but I'm happy that she is finally going to find her joy and her bliss. And it's not in New York. So why would you stay there? And I think a lot. I, of- I saw her post. So I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I I'm know good. it's one of your best friends. Yeah. And, and so- but, you know, but, she, but she's learning at an early age. Um, I mean, I had to learn in my mid forties of how to find that joy, which I am forever grateful for, because I feel as I still learned that at a semi early age, but she's learning very early on of take that risk. It's especially much easier to do it when you are in your twenties than you are in your forties. Yeah. Um, we don't have much going on, but there's a, there's a huge change. There's industries closing. There's job yeah. opportunities that are just gone. And so people are having to use that word pivot and they have to change what they thought was going to be their career for their entire life. And that's not a thing anymore. So I know that a lot of people are struggling. And one of the beautiful things that I think this podcast does is give a little bit of advice and inspiration and motivation to the people who are in those head spaces. And do you have any kind of last bit of motivation advice um, for people who are struggling with that right now and have been for a couple months of having to face their change and face their unhappiness and changing that into finding their joy, be it a career change or a life change? Well, first of all, I think it's you have to face that change in order to grow. So um, embrace it. Embrace the ugliness of the change, the difficulty of it. Um, Embrace the tears that you're going to shed. So embrace what that change is and realize that it's just temporary. It's just temporary. It is going to open up the next chapter that is always better and brighter. And you can't start that chapter until you finish the one before it. So you've got to get through whatever the words are, whatever you know needs to be said, needs to be done to give yourself that moment. And you know, when you're in between, like physically, when you're reading reading a book and you are in between chapters, there's kind of a pause. Even if it's just the turning of the page, take that pause and allow yourself to not only walk, but then to run into whatever the next chapter is going to be for you. And, you know, and, and I think if you embrace the hard and the difficult and the change, first of all, realizing the change needs to happen is the hardest part. It's just like working out. The hardest part about working out is actually starting it. It's not the, it's not what you go through physically during the workout. It's the some days and you know, you, whether it was going to the gym or getting on the Peloton bike that I have upstairs or whatever, the hardest part is making that small effort to just start it. And so that change, when you realize, okay, something needs to change is the hardest part in realizing what needs to change and develop in your life and whatever is supposed to happen will come next. So embrace the change, take a pause and then move forward when you're ready to go. And don't, don't, there's no shame in taking a moment to say, I need time to breathe. I need time Um, you know, this comes from somebody who's had a tremendous amount of loss in her life. I mean, I lost, I'm actually coming up on the 10 year anniversary of my father's passing one year anniversary of my mom at the, both of them within a day of each other at the end of July. And then the passing of my brother, I had to be okay with allowing myself to grieve and any kind of change is a grieving process, whether you are changing out of a relationship at the end of a relationship, or you lose somebody that's close to you, you lose a job. It's all states of grief. And within that grief, nobody does it 
like anyone else, everybody does it differently. You have to embrace it. And there's always joy and smiles and laughter somewhere in there and even at the most unexpected times. And when the universe sends you the strange things that sometimes happen and kind of like the blinking flashing lights that are, you know, hey, look at this, look at this. And when opportunities come along um, that may not necessarily be what your focus was originally, at least be open to it. Whether or not you decide to do it is up to you. Um, but sometimes taking a chance and trying something new, nothing else, it's adding another skill into your wheelhouse. And the more you have in your wheelhouse, the faster your wagon's going to go. <laughs> well, with that uh, cute little metaphor. Our, I'm going pioneer spirit on you there. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on and being with us today. I know that I needed it. I don't know about our listeners, but like I'm over here getting emotional. My mascara is like tearing up in the corners, but, um, you know, I, I actually wish people could see what we look like right now because you have all your makeup on, you look fabulous. And I have my crazy curly hair tied back, but I also just finished a workout right before this. <laughs> me cry off my, my makeup. So I think we're at like a, a good, even part right now. Um, but I definitely hope that you guys take something away today. Um, I know that I, in my Virgo spirit and energy, have been trying to like rip into the next chapter. And we're going to take a pause as I cry about to say that, but pause. I think that's beautiful um, and necessary. Um, so as I go emotionally deal with what this episode has taught me, um, please reach out to Broom. I mean, not only is she like my second mom and traveled the world and all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii, but like she's an incredible human, which I think we've learned today. Um, and she like has an amazing travel blog. So you guys need to go follow it and look at it and like envy and covet her food. Like I do, please. Like the photos are just so good. It's like food network worthy. Um, so thank you for being with us today. And I look forward to talking to everybody else next week for another episode of Chipping Away. And I hope you have a wonderful, pause-worthy, motivational Monday. Chipping away, chipping away with me.